When Emilio de Gagorza's first records appeared early in the 20th century, the phonograph was still a crude toy scarcely suited to capture high art. Many of de Gagorza's first efforts, and that of contemporary de Bassini, did not appear under their real names, but rather an imaginative array of pseudonyms. And this was the beginning of a widespread practice in the recording industry. So. What is your real name anyway? Welcome to Dead Wax 78s. I'm your host Sean and this is the podcast where we're going to talk about old-time performers and 78 records and phonographs. This episode is called What is your real name? Pseudonyms should not be confused with new names that replace old ones and become the individual's full-time name. Pseudonyms are part-time names used only in certain contexts, you know, to provide a more clear-cut separation between one's private and professional life, maybe to showcase or enhance a particular persona, or even to hide an individual's real identity. Performers sometimes use stage names, for example, to better channel a relevant energy, gain a greater sense of security and comfort via their privacy, or more easily to avoid troublesome fans or, or to mask their ethnic backgrounds, or to just plainly record the heck out of stuff for financial gain. A performer will often take a stage name because their real name is considered unattractive, dull, or unintentionally amusing. Or it projects an undesirable image, or is difficult to pronounce or spell, even is already being used by another notable individual, including names that are not exactly the same, but way too similar. Sometimes a performer adopts a name that is unusual or outlandish, to attract attention. Even Louis Armstrong performed under the pseudonym Ted Shawnee, while Fats Waller took the name Flip Wallace. Recordings by Duke Ellington and his Cotton Club Orchestra are to be found under 22 different pseudonyms. These are among the more than 3,000 pseudonyms unearthed by Alan Sutton in his pioneering guide to pseudonyms used on American recordings between 1892 and 1942. Very good book. Here's part one. Carlos Francisco, or should I say Emilio de Gagorza, Canzón del Porto, on Victor. Ne sono la 
Gorza used Carlos Francisco, Edward Franklin, and Hubert Goddard. But by far, one of the most prolific performers was Vernon Delhart. In the 1920s and in 1930s, he sang on more than 5,000 singles for many labels, employing more than a hundred pseudonyms, such as Al Craver, Vernon Dale, Frank Evans, Hugh Latimer, Sid Turner, George White, and Bob White. On Grey Gull Records, he often used the name Vel Veteran, which was also used by other singers, including Arthur Fields. He was already an established singer when he made his first country music recordings. Now, Von der Leith, born Leonore Von der Leith, in the town of Mount Pulaski, Illinois, in 1894. She was an American singer who gained popularity in the 1920s, earning the title The Original Radio Girl and The First Lady of Radio. Although very popular in the 1920s, Deleith is obscure in modern times. Deleith was an early exponent and often credited as inventor of a style of vocalizing known as crooning. One of her first hit songs, Are You Lonesome Tonight, recorded in 1927, achieved fame when it became a hit for Elvis Presley in 1960. She used as many as 30 different names, Nancy Foster, Daisy Richards, Angelino DiMarco, to name just a few. Now Arthur Fields was born 
Abe Finkelstein in Philadelphia. He spent most of his early years in Utica, New York, singing solos as a boy in church. He was a professional singer by the age 11, and around age 17, he toured with the Guy Brothers Minstrel Show. Fields was another that had at least 60 pseudonyms in his career. Now, Fields often cut hillbilly music. Typical are his performances on Grey Gulp, like the terrible Mississippi Flood and the end of the Shenandoah. Names used for hillbilly material on records and radio broadcasts included Fred Sugar Hall and his Sugar Babies, Jim Cole's Tennessee Mountaineers, Gunboat Billy and the Sparrow, Sam Cole and his Corn Hucksters, and Buck Wilson and his Rangers. It's not impossible to understand why someone born with the name Abe Finkelstein might want to change it to something more appropriate to the type of music and his show business career. In this case, Arthur Fields. Fields' prolific career stretched from the Second World War back to the early days of the recording industry. He wrote and or recorded some of the strangest novelty songs of all time, including Auntie Skinner's Chicken Dinner. Feel is also the man who asked the musical question, where do the mosquitoes go in the wintertime? A buzzing ditty, often known under the alternative title, The Mosquito Song. Here's part two, Von DeLeith, Are You Lonesome Tonight? A fond recollection A romance of days now gone by And often I wonder If I made a blunder By letting you be 
Catherine Annette Hanshaw was an American jazz sage singer. She was one of the most popular radio stars in the late 1920s and early 1930s. Over 4 million of her records had been sold by 1934. She had many names as well. The most popular was Gay Ellis and Patsy Young. Now another, William Reese Jones, or Billy Jones, was a tenor who recorded during the 1920s and 1930s, finding fame as a radio star on the Happiness Boys radio program. Jones worked in such occupations as mining, banking, and blacksmithing before his 1918 recording debut. He recorded with the Clear Tone Four, the Crescent Trio, the Harmonizers Quartet, and the Premier Quartet. He then formed another one under the variety of names. Harry Blake, Billy Clark, Lester George, Duncan Jones, Reese Jones, John Kelly, Dennis O'Malley, William Reese, Victor Roberts, Billy West, William West, and Carlton Williams. Edison Records, Diamond Discs labels, in the early 1920s with Jones and Hare singing that's a lot of bunk. After he met Ernie Hare in 1919, he teamed until 1920 when Brunswick executive Gus Hatchison had them sing an accompaniment on a Brunswick record. They went on to numerous recordings together for Brunswick, Edison, and other companies. Here's part three, Billy Jones, Love Her By Radio, Diamond Disc, 1922. The only way they had of making love They'd sit and spoon while Mr. Moon was watching from above But nowadays the latest phrase you'll find is all the go Each loving heart, though kept apart, can love by radio Love her by radio You will find it radio If you want to reach your heart's desire have to send her word by wire. Use Amplifier Love Her by radio. Even when you're all alone, 
think of all the fun that they can have both night and day. Listening in to what the lovey-doveys have to say. I'll bet the things they'd hear would make a bachelor's hair turn gray when you love her by the radio phone. Love her by radio. You will find it radio. If you want to reach your heart desire. You won't have to send her word by wire. You never fire love her by radio. Even when you're all alone. Anytime you feel that you would like to sit and boom, why send your message through the air. She'll get it very soon. But first of all, make up your mind. Your hearts are both in tune. When you love her by the radio They say has come to stay Now every girl and boy Can fill and coo the whole day's fruit Will fill their hearts with joy Now just suppose when boys propose It's bashful they might be They'll bow their love from up above And say it aerially Lover by radio You will find it radio If you want to reach your heart's desire you won't have to send her word by wire. You never fire love her by radio. Even when you're all alone. Think of all the fun that they can have both night and day. Listening in to what the lovey-doveys have to say. I'll bet the things they hear would make a bachelor's hair turn gray. When you love her by the radio phone. heard of Billy Murray, but his real name was William Thomas Murray, one of the most popular singers in the United States in the early 20th century. While he received star billing and vaudeville, he was best known for his prolific work in the recording studio, making records for almost every record label of the era. More also known as, aka, Burt Forbes, Carlton Williams, Dave Hogan, Harry Blake, Leonard Jackson, Victor Roberts, and William Reese. Another was Carson Robison. His real name was Carson J. Robison. American country singer and songwriter, well known for his collaborations with Vernon Delhart. An early and important country music performer, he worked with Roy Schmeck for many years. But he had a lot of aliases. Bill Barrett, Bob Andrews, Bud Birmingham, Cal Carson, Charlie Wells, Harry Rocky Wilson, Joe Billings, Suki Hobbs, and Travelin' Jim Smith. 
Here's part four. Al Craver. Oh, our old friend Vernon Delhart. The Mississippi Flood, 1927. striking example of the firm color line in the record industry in the 1920s is a series of recordings issued by OK Records of a guitar duo of a black guitarist, Lonnie Johnson, performing with Blind Willie Dunn. However, there was in reality no such guitarist named Blind Willie Dunn. The second guitarist was actually white jazz guitarist Eddie Lang. But the racial sensitivities of the time prevented OK from issuing a recording of a black guitarist playing with a white guitarist. These may have been the first such commercially available integrated records ever made, but the fact was hidden from the public view by the use of Lang's pseudonym. And did I ever tell you Vernon Delhart's real name? He was born Marion 
Try Slaughter. And he derived his professional name from a couple of Texas towns where he worked as a cattle puncher in his teens. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, tell your friends, come back, listen to more shows in any order you like. I'm your host, Sean. This is Deadwax78, and I'll catch you on the flip side.